Rambam, Hilchashchita, Pedic Achadasar, Chapter 11 of the Laws of Ritual Slaughter. We kind of wrapped up the laws of Trephus in Chapter 10, but here the Rambam goes on to say, I guess as a PS, that Kol Behema Eif, Shenelad Bohen, Sopik Trephus, Mitrephus, Elu, whenever the Halacha enumerated above, listed above, which was that an animal or a bird could be in doubt. Trefa, maybe it's good, maybe it's not good. What does it mean? What should we do with it? Again, for example, what are some of the examples of conditions where the halacha says, Suffolk, Trefa, maybe it's Trefa. Again, for example, Behema, an animal, Shenoflo, which fell off a high place. And remember, we said the litmus test is does it get up and walk? Velay Holcha, it did not walk. So we said it's Sopik Trefa. It might or might not be Trefa. Another example. A Shenidrasa Bidechaya, or this animal was attacked by a, a VC, a Vildechaya, by a wild animal. And remember we said the litmus test is if the flesh near the intestines turns red or not, we're not sure. A, another case. Its skull was crushed, but we're not sure if it's the majority of the skull or not. It's on the border. Any other circumstances where the halacha says, maybe it's treif, maybe it's not treif. Very nice. So what do we do with that? That's what we call in California a definite maybe. The answer is, if it was a male, and it survived for 12 months, that means healthy. Something can survive for 12 months, it's going to be okay. It now gains back its position of it's a healthy animal. The 12 month survival, put it in the category of you're going to be okay. That's in the case of a male. But in the case of a female, there's a better test which doesn't take 12 months. If it was a female, you wait until the animal gives birth. If the animal gives birth and all is well, that in and of itself is a sign of good health. What about in the bird category? Fowl. The male is again, 12 months. And the female, until it lays all the eggs that it is carrying. Visitan Tiina Shnia spawns a new load of eggs. Vitaled and lays them. That's a sign of good health in a bird. So here's where the 12 month litmus test comes to be. Gimo bays to be also The guy says, I can't wait 12 months. You know, I've got money tied up in stock. I can't wait 12 months. I'll just sell it to a non-Jew for a discount. The answer is this could be a problem. Maybe he's going to flip it in escrow. 
and sell it to a Jew. And the Jew is going to innocently buy this animal, thinking it's kosher, but it may not be kosher. So therefore, that's not a very simple situation. And if he in informs him of the doubt, and the guy undertakes to make that part of the uh, paperwork, that's perhaps something else, as the commentaries talk. Gimel. Now comes a rule in law that we always assume or presume that every domestic animal, wild animal, and bird that we see are healthy. Which means we don't need to have uh, an animal or a cow or a deer or a bird go to the doctor to get an exam before we can shecht it. We don't have to come with a doctor's note. We can assume that animals, wild or domestic birds, are, kosher, are, are, are healthy. And therefore kosher. We don't have to be suspicious. Maybe there's something wrong with them. You might think that the shochet has to take the, the, the animal to a, uh, an animal doctor, to a veterinarian, to see how it is. No. The animal is there. It looks healthy. It is healthy. Therefore, once a kosher ritual slaughter is performed, then the animal does not technically even have to be inspected thoroughly. Perhaps it has one of the above mentioned 70 conditions. You can spend a year checking for those conditions. We can assume that they're good. Until a problem arises which flags our attention. And then we have to check it for that item, and we don't necessarily have to check it for the entire list of items. Ketzad, for example, what's a flag? What is a problem that gets our attention which would require inspection? Again, and we mentioned this earlier, For example, the wing of a bird is displaced. Whenever the wing of a bird is displaced, we're concerned it didn't puncture the lung. We must check the lung to see if it was perforated. As he explained in chapter 10, Halacha 4, If the I'm sorry, I skipped. If the animal fell, then we want to see if its organs were crushed, as explained chapter 9, halacha 17. If the skull bone was crushed, then we have to check the membrane of the brain to see if it was perforated, as we said, chapter 10, halacha 7. Or, if a thorn encountered the animal, if the animal was struck or struck by a thorn, or Nizrak Bachetz was shot by an arrow, or Remach, or a spear, or a javelin, or similar, and whatever it was that entered the animal, the thorn or the arrow, or the javelin, or whatever, entered into the inner cavity of the animal, 
Chayshin law, then we are concerned, Utzricha Bedika, and we must inspect. Can I get Kolachol of the entire inner animal section? Shamanika Bechad Minevorim, Shetitara Binikibos, and perhaps one of those internal organs will be perforated. Bechain Kol Kayetzebaza, similar situations should be treated similarly. Hey, five, Lefiko, therefore. And here, before we go into Halacha 5, I'd like to give an introduction which will help us understand a lot of important stuff in the world today. You've all heard the term kosher and glot kosher. Kosher and glot kosher. And this chapter from Halacha 5 and on is about kosher and glot kosher. It's all, although today, in today's world, glot kosher is used very lightly, very loosely. It means very kosher. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the real meaning of glot kosher. It has to do with the lung of the animal. Because very often, the lung will have a growth, an adhesion, something coming off of it. Now, if we can easily remove that adhesion, and there's no puncture whatsoever, and we're going to learn a lot of details now, that's considered, in round terms, kosher. There was something of an adhesion, it was removed, it came off, no problem, there's no hole in the lung, it's all good. Glot kosher means when there was no adhesion to begin with, glot in Yiddish is smooth. It was smooth, smooth kosher. And in the last paragraph of chapter 11, the Rambam is going to specifically talk about that condition, but from now till the end, we talk about lungs, growths, adhesions, strands. The Hebrew word for that is sircha. A lung with a sircha that is removed without puncturing the lung, in general terms, kosher. A lung that never had a sircha, glot kosher. Now let's learn. Five. Lefikal, therefore, when there are growths on the lung, the word tzemach means growth, or there are sirches, what is a sircha? And that's a word we're going to use. Like strands or adhesions coming from it, or from the rib cage, a lalev, from it, from the lung into the rib cage or into the heart, a latapasha or into the diaphragm, from the lung into any of these parts. Cheshin Shemonikva were concerned that there was even a tiny perforation, and that's what caused this adhesion to form. Maybe scar tissue forming and so on. And it needs to be inspected. And similarly speaking, if a swelling was found that contains fluid in it, we are concerned that the bronchial area below was perforated. And it must be inspected by the shochet. Vov, now the Rambam says, Theoretically, logic would dictate that this would be the halacha. 
What is the logic? That if the lung was found to have sirches, growths, like strands, if it came from the body itself of the lung, going to the ribcage, going to the heart, or to the diaphragm, it would be, theoretically we would think, logically, that you just cut the sircha, and you remove the lung, and you play, blow it up, place it in lukewarm water, if there's a hole in it, it's treif. If there's no bubbles in the water, that means there is no hole in it, and it's permissible. And whatever this adhesion or growth was had nothing to do with the puncture. Proof is that there's no bubbles. Perhaps only the top membrane was punctured. So that would follow logic. Says the Rambam, I haven't seen this in writing. I have not found a, a place that practices this. And the Rambam goes on to explain in Halacha 7. Even though this would be the conclusion which we would come to from the teachings of the Talmudic sages. The widespread custom in the Jewish people, amongst the Jewish people, is as follows. And this is what the Rambam says is the widespread custom. When you Slaughter, when you perform shechita on the domestic or wild animal, we have to tear open the diaphragm. And we check the lung in place. If there was no sircha there. Or we do find a sircha between, remember the word ozen, which means ears, between one of the lobes of the flesh where it lays. Whether it's on the flesh that's between the ribs or on the flesh of the breastbone. Or there is this adhesion which is going from lobe to lobe, in an orderly fashion. We learned earlier that there are three lobes on the right and two lobes on the left, and so on. So from lobe to lobe, there's a little strand. <clears throat> from one to the other. Then we would permit this animal and again, there are many other halachic authorities that comment. It's not so simple. However, if a strand is found coming from the lung to any place where it's extended, even if it was a thin, hair-like strand, they would forbid this animal except to the lobe near it. Nine. <clears throat> so also if it went, this sircha went from the lung to the heart, or to the diaphragm, or the covering of the heart, remember we learned earlier about this rose-like lobe 
that looks in a shape like a rose on the right side of the lung, even if the strand was thin, like hair-like, it's still forbidden. Or if that rose-like lobe was attached to its cover, or there's a, an adhesion coming from this rose-like lobe to its covering, it is forbidden. An adhesion that comes from one lobe to the other, skipping from lobe one to lobe three, would be forbidden. Yud. There are places where the custom is that if they found a sircha, a strand, a growth, an adhesion, going from lobe to the flesh and to the bones of the ribs, and the sircha is attached to both of them, it's forbidden. The says the Rambam something interesting where there's a lot of comments on this Rambam. The Rambam says, My father. The Rambam's father was the famous Maimon. He was a great rabbi. He was the Rambam's teacher. My father forbids this. But I say it's permissible. And everybody wants to know how a son could argue with a father like that. And how the son does not describe his father with a lot of adjectives. Well, me it became a and there are a few places which permit it. I feel need to go back from the body. Even if it's attached, if it adheres to the bone itself, but I forbid it. And again, there's no simple answer. There's a lot of discussion here as to how the Rambam disagrees with his father. And these are all various applications in halacha and in custom with <clears throat> adhesions, growths, coming from lungs, lobes of the lung, going here, going there. <clears throat> now there are other places, says the Rambam in 11, where they actually inflate the lung, to see if there's a hole. That's a regular practice. Most places don't. As we said earlier, there's nothing to cause this concern. In Spain, and in the West, we never used to inflate the lung on a regular basis. Unless we have a reason for concern. Says the Rambam in 12, and all of the above, this is not halacha, this comes into custom application of law. As a rule, we don't check the lungs of fowl, of birds, unless there is a concern, unless there is a reason to be concerned. And there's a lot of comments, what modern halacha says, and so on and so forth. Yud gimel, mi if somebody shechted or slaughtered an animal, and tore open the belly, and before he had a chance to inspect it, a dog came, grabbed the lung, or let's say a non-Jew came and grabbed the lung, and left. Go find them. It's permissible. We don't have to say that it was punctured. We don't have to hypothesize and say it was punctured. <coughs> there was a growth. Because there's no reason we should be suspicious that a, prohib a prohibition exists. It is assumed permissible until you know the details of it becoming forbidden. 
just as we don't have to be suspicious that the membrane of the brain was cut or punctured, we don't have to be suspicious, for a long shabda that was lost, there's no set custom because something so unusual like this scenario is not something that customs legislate stuff for. We don't legislate for the unusual situation. Yudalit 14, what if a non-Jew or even a Jew comes and removes the lung before you have a chance to inspect it? But and it's there, then you should inflate it. Even though we don't know if there were growths or not, because this is the simple custom and this is debated back and forth. Let me just read a note here to give you an idea of the back and forth. Normally we would not inflate a lung unless there's a factor that aroused suspicion. Nevertheless, in this instance, since we did not see it in its natural situation because it was taken and the possibility exists that there were such factors, we do require an examination. The Taz says, one of the primary commentators on Yoridea, that according to our custom, that we do not rely on an examination when there is a problematic, clearly problematic situation, we don't, we, we don't rely on an examination in this instance as well, and so on. And finally, here comes the paragraph I referred to earlier, which deals with kosher and glot kosher. Tesvav 15, the last paragraph of this chapter. Yesh maze, there are places which rule that if there are sirchos, adhesions or growths hanging from the lung even though they're not attached to the chest or to another place in the animal they forbid it in other words, the Rambam says there are places which say you have an adhesion, it's forbidden now, says the Rambam, this causes tremendous financial loss because so many animals have adhesions. And so you're going to cause people to become bankrupt just trying to get a stake. The Ibud Momon the Israel, it's crazy to lose money for the Jewish people in this way. It's, it's, it's money in the garbage. This custom was never observed, not in France, not in Spain. And this was unheard of in the Western countries, Israel and so on. It's not appropriate. If you have a growth, what you do is you inflate it. If when you remove the growth and you place it in water, there's no bubbles, there's no air escaping. This is permissible. What the Rambam just described in 15 is what we call kosher. And the Rambam in his time and in his arena said kosher is fine because too much economic loss. Now let's look at a very important note here. 32. The Shulchan Aruch rules that such an animal is permitted without the lung being inspected. The Taz states that an examination must be conducted to see whether the lung is perforated or not. 
And this represents the difference between glot meat, glot kosher, glot means smooth, and meat that is not glot. Glot means smooth. In other words, there are no sirchot, there are no growths. There's no adhesions, there's no growths extending from the animal's lungs, period. So there is no need to inspect it. It's just a beautiful lung. When meat is not glot, what is the meaning? There were sirchus and or the like extending from the lungs. They were inspected. No perforation was discovered, as the Rambam says. Therefore, the meat is kosher. Nevertheless, there are many who follow the stringency of not partaking of it. Now, let me just explain why today it's so common for so many people to observe glot. The answer is because this, we're not in a shtetl today where the shocha takes an animal and if the shocha says, whoops, it's not good, they put it in the garbage or they have to sell it for next to nothing. We're in an economy today where there's a market for non-kosher, there's a market for kosher, there's a market for glot. So economically it works much smoother because you do it in large slaughterhouses. Therefore today, glot has become more prevalent than ever before. But here in this Paragraph 15, you have the halachic background of the words we hear so much. Glot kosher. And here there's a note. In this Moiznaim Rambam, the closing note, which I pointed out in the introduction, that it must be emphasized that at present, glot is sometimes used as a general term to connote a higher level of punctilious observance of the details of kosherus. In general, without specifically referring to questions concerning the lungs. That's not the literal term glot, that's a borrowed term. So therefore, if you say, oh, this dairy sandwich is glot kosher, it's, it's absurd. Unless you're using it in a loose setting, meaning it's very kosher. Okay, end of chapter 11.